All right, to the top of the board, Doug is up first. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, sir. How are you doing this morning? I'm great, thank you. How about you? Doing well, thank you. Uh, quick question. I have a uh, some areas that in my yard that uh, don't have any grass, and I'm looking at planting some maybe Bermuda seed. I do just a mixture of some sun in areas and shade in others and just trying to see when and what I should be planting. Well, you're going to have to develop a little patience on the Bermuda seed because Bermuda is a hot weather seed. If you put it out before the ground is truly warm, you'll be putting it out again later because it's just not going to do anything. Now, if you want to find a few squares of Bermuda sod, you can certainly do that. But I'm looking at the weather. I'm going to say it's probably going to be May before it's going to be warm enough to really plant much Bermuda seed. And Bermuda's a good grass, as long as you've got full sun uh, in those places. But, uh, boy, it's it's just too, really too early to think about putting Bermuda seed out at this time. Okay. Is there anything else I can put out and for the, some of the shaded areas, uh, or you know, even when it gets warmer? Well, for shaded areas, our only real turf grass is going to be one of the St. Augustines. I like Palmetto and Del Mar for shadier areas, but of course can't do that from seed. It has to uh, come from pieces of sod. I'm a big fan of some of the different ground covers in the shade, Asian Jasmine, Vinca Major, uh, some things like that that don't take the water or the maintenance that uh, grass does. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't know if there's any other forms of, you know, the Bermuda tiff or, you know, some other stuff that doesn't take quite the that doesn't take the water but likes the shade well the shade is the issue there i mean uh zoysias and uh bermudas uh you can stop watering them and they just go dormant they come out when we get more rainfall but neither one of those you're going to have people telling you you can plant bermuda in the shade i'm sorry plant zoysia in the shade but it's never going to be thick and pretty um it just simply the both of them are great grasses but they are both full sun grasses in those shady areas um, there are a lot of other fun things you can plant, uh, and if you want something that looks like grass, you can plant dwarf monkey grass, dwarf mondo grass, um, and it, you know, it's very low, very dense, very dark green, very low maintenance. It'd be a little costly to do a real big area of it, but uh, uh, man, if it was out there, I'd be telling you about it. Don't fall for any of these fescues or any of these other things that uh, are being sold some places because. You get to the point in the summertime, they tried them down at the botanical gardens, and they were having to water them three times a day to keep them going when it warmed up a bit. So uh, uh, if you want grass, it's going to have to be St. Augustine in the shade, but there are some other options out there. Okay, and so Bermuda seed, wait till May or so. Wait until it's till you're sweating, till you're thinking it's no fun to be outside working anymore, then that's the time you start planting Bermuda seed. Perfect. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your help. Always a pleasure, Doug. I appreciate the call this morning. Thank you. And Dolores is next. Good morning, Dolores. Good morning. Good morning. I have questions about uh, fruit trees that I have in a five-gallon bucket. Okay. Uh, Do I need to protect them from the – I don't think it's going to get colder than in the 40s. No, absolutely not. Absolutely Uh, not. I'd I'd be thinking about getting them in the ground. A five gallon bucket's not <laughs> not big enough to uh, really grow much of a fruit tree. But uh, I the the cold coming this week's not going to have any impact at all on your fruit trees. I I I would might and and where you are, you're probably totally safe for everything. But if I'm protecting anything, it's only going to be the real new newly sprouted uh, 
uh, things like squash and beans or perhaps some of the tomatoes. Mm. But fruit trees, no, don't worry about them. Okay, another question. Sago palms, how and when to dig them up? And replant, transplant them. Okay, if you're digging them and moving them, you've got to wait till hot summer. Um, uh-huh. They are totally the opposite of woody shrubs. We do most of our transplanting on true transplanting on sagos uh, July and August. Now, just to take them out of a pot and put them in the ground, you can do that any time. But if you're actually digging them, where you're going to be cutting the roots, you see on a sago when you when you dig when you cut a root, that root dies all the way back to the base of the plant. The plant has to start over making new roots, which it doesn't do unless the soil is quite hot. The good news means that uh, you can transplant them with a very small root ball. You don't have to get a big heavy root ball to transplant a sago. But unfortunately, you can't do that till the hot summer months. Okay, then. That's like you told the gentleman, you have to wait until it's too hot to be outside to plant your grass seed. And that's uh, just the same way it is on transplanting a sago. And as spinier as those things, uh, I'd be looking for somebody else to actually do the work while you supervise. And, uh, and, and that's a whole lot less unpleasant. I have some gloves that go up to my elbows, but I don't think that'll be enough. <laughs> it's um, yeah. They sagos are well armed. They they have survived on this earth since the age of the dinosaurs, and uh, it wasn't an accident. They are they're pretty tough and hardy, but uh, that that's the one thing about them that we do have to wait till hot weather to transplant them. But on the other hand, you're usually about a hundred percent successful when you do it. Okie dokie. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. You do the same, Dolores. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay, next up is going to be Margie and Earl and then James and Margie's next. Good morning, Margie. Hi, Margie. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you this morning? Uh, I'm listening all the time to the garden. You know, I love to hear the garden, you know. Very good. Uh, yes, I want to ask you, do you know the little trees that uh, it goes up to five or six uh, foot tall? I mean, if you want it to grow that high, you know, Altea, Altea tree, Altea. Now, tell me the name once again. Huh? What, what is the name of the tree you're asking about? Altea, Altea. It oh, Althea, Althea, most definitely, yeah. Um, also yeah. called Rose of Share and Hibiscus Syriacus. Uh, they are a great shrub. They, uh, more of a shrub than a tree. They want a sunny spot. Um, they're in the hibiscus family, but they are totally cold hardy. They'll go down to 10 below zero without damage. So, uh, they are a very good choice. Now, your colors. They come in, they come in, a double flower and a single flower. And they come in different colors, right? They do. They uh, the double flowers uh, are usually, I guess I see pink doubles and I see pink lavenders uh, more than I do whites. Uh, the single f- uh, flowered forms, uh, there's a beautiful white with the dark center. There's a pure right. white. There's a pink, right. and there's also a lavender in those. Uh, and they have they have it too. You mean the double? They have a like a special pink. Mm-hmm. And they have that, like, a uh, burgundy flower, too, you know. And I want to ask you, uh, can I cut some leaves and can I plant it on the ground? Um, 
they this is not the season to propagate uh those things uh i i you know love growing altheas in the ground but if you want to root cuttings from them we normally do it in the fall in october november and rather than putting the cuttings directly in the ground we normally root them in either sand or perlite let them get some roots established over the winter months and then have plants to set out in the spring but this time of year not going to be very successful with cuttings Okay, well, thank you. Then I won't cut it. I'm better bloom this year. You just let it bloom and enjoy the beautiful what flowers. About rosemary. I have a little rosemary, and you don't want to grow too. I mean, spray it out, or it's just a small little, you know, tree. Yeah. You know, you you can prune your rosemary as much as you like. Uh, it's not a real good time of year to start more cuttings from it. But it certainly doesn't hurt your rosemary to trim it, and uh, you can keep the size down on it. So uh, this is this is best time of year to be trimming the rosemary, but uh, the cuttings won't root well for you uh, this time of year. But, I mean, uh, do they need a lot of water or not? Once they're established, they need almost no water. You can probably water them once a month uh, in the ground once they're really well established. But when you first plant them, you have to give them plenty of water to get those roots spread out. But once they've been in the ground a year or so, um, they look after themselves unless we get in a real real droughty period. And what about, what do they call it in the other one? It blooms like a, uh, a bush. Uh, Seniso. Seniso is uh, another one that loves uh, full sun. Once it's established, you'll almost never have to water it. But when you first set it out, uh, you will have to water regularly. There's some great new compact varieties out there. There's one called Desperado, another one uh, called Eldorado. There's uh, there are a bunch of new, more compact ones that are absolutely beautiful. Just be sure you plant them in plenty of sun. Once you get them established, uh, there's very little you have to do for them. Because, I mean, I've seen one that have like a, like a gray leaf. The other one have like a dark, uh, pretty green leaf. Yeah, there, there are some of them um, that have uh, a lighter green, and some of them, there's one out there, I think it's called Thundercloud, is one of the darkest uh uh, green, greener leaves rather than gray leaves, and uh, has absolutely right. beautiful flowers. Just uh, you know, it's uh, there are just many, many different kinds. Uh, just pick carefully. There's even one that has uh, pure white flowers. Uh, but just you know, get the ones you like. They all grow really well. They all uh, need just bright all day sun to really grow and bloom for you. Is it a time that I can buy them planted? Uh, you can, yes, you should be starting to find them in the nurseries, and this is an excellent time to plant them. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Bob. You're welcome, Margie. Sure. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. My pleasure. Day. You do the same. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, let's get back to the gardening. It's going to be Earl and James and George and Robert, and Earl's up first. Good morning, Earl. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, uh, sir. I, I have a, a daughter who has two huge uh, uh, live oak trees in the front yard. And okay. Last November, they lost their leaves, and they haven't put on leaves yet this year. And I'm thinking uh, uh, oak wilt, but uh, maybe you can give me some other uh, ideas on what to do, maybe to save them. Um, oak wilt doesn't normally cause a tree to lose all of its leaves at one time. On a live oak. Now, red oak, yeah, oak wilt kills very quickly, 
but um, it's with a live oak, it's a slow deterioration of the tree, usually over a period of a year or two. So, uh, and and both of these trees started showing problems at the same time. Yeah, they both lost their leaves uh, in November, and that's not the time I expect the live oaks to lose their leaves, and and they haven't put on anything this year. How big are these trees? How how big are the trees? Oh, I can't get my arms around them. They're huge. Um, and the root flares are exposed down at the base. Uh, no, I don't believe so. Okay, well that's that's one thing, but again, not something that caused them many overnight problems you really that the base of that tree really needs to be uncovered you should see a tree that size you should see a big mass of roots um earl i think i'd be getting a good arborist to take a look at this is this here in the san antonio area right okay um the best arborist i know um he just retired uh david vaughn worked for Edder Tree Care for many years. He's still doing consulting, and uh, they could give you his number. Uh, uh, call uh, call Edder Tree Care and ask him for David's number and get him to ride by and take a look. Um, I There's just not much out there that would cause two trees at one time. Now, different options, uh, a gas leak, uh, natural gas is very toxic to the roots of plants. But um, um, I just the, I don't know of any disease that would cause that kind of just immediate uh, leaf loss, and and that's about the only thing that comes to my mind that could uh, that could account for such a, a sudden devastating change. Have you scratched any of the smaller branches? Does the bark still seem green? No, I haven't. That's a good idea. I'll try that. On David Vaughn's uh, number of tree care, what was the first word before tree care? Um, well, um, the it's Etter, E-T-T-E-R. That's his former employer. i tell you what, uh, give me give me 10 seconds here. There's one thing I can probably actually look up in my phone for you. Okay. Uh, um, in the meantime, I, I want to congratulate you on your uh, recommendation for a Monterey oak uh, years ago. I put one in my backyard. It's just this fantastic shade and good. no problems whatsoever. Well, you got a good tree and you're taking good care of it. Uh, call David Vaughn at this number. It's area code 210, and his phone is 788-4986. 4986, yep. got it. He's the guy... Bad. For an arborist that wants to become fully certified, David's the guy that teaches the classes to the other arborist. He's just sort of the the dean of the local of the local arborist around here, and uh, I think you can very much trust uh, him to tell you what you need to know. But I'd like to hear back from you, Earl, or I may be talking okay. to David. That's that's a very unusual. I hope it's not a problem. I hope it's just uh, an aberration, but um, I, I the gas leaks, the only thing that comes to mind that could cause that kind of devastating change so quickly, but I'm, I think you'd be having other issues. So uh, give David a call. Let me know what you learned from him. Okay, that's a deal. Thank you so much, Bob. It's my pleasure. Bye. Thank you, sir. Goodbye. James is next. Good morning, James. Well, good morning, Bob. How are you doing this morning? Uh, just uh, a beautiful morning out there. It's uh, going to be a great morning for gardening, at least. I'm out here in my backyard. Now, I'm in Somerset here. Are you hear me okay? He's just fine. Okay, I have a few questions for you. I have the perfect spot to plant some elephant ears. Okay. How do I plant them? 
I haven't planted them before. There's a bulb on one end, and there's some little bitty indentations on the other end. Well, the uh, there are two kinds of elephant ears. One of them they call an alocasia, which forms something of a s- upward stem. The other one produces most of its growth right at ground level. Um, when you look at that bulb, you will normally see kind of a dry tissue on one end of it, which is where last year's leaves came out. Uh, that, of course, goes upwards. You should plant it where the top of the bulb is about an inch below the surface of the ground and um or if you want considering that the soil is pretty cool you could actually start it in a nursery can and then plant it in the ground after it sprouts and begins to grow um, if yours doesn't have a very pronounced pointed end to it then this is probably the one that is actually called a colocasia and as i th- i think is the the better form of elephant ears but uh um, yeah, just plant it so the top of it's about an inch below the surface of the ground, whether it's in a pot or in the ground, and it should sprout within the next couple of weeks. And I think they're just, they're an ideal plant. They get pretty big, uh, and the bigger the bulb gets, the bigger the individual leaves are. But they're they're pretty problem free. Well, Bob, the one, the one I'm looking at right now on one end, it has some it has some protrusions. It has about six protrusions on one side on the on one end, and uh-huh. it's got a, a a bulb on the top. Okay. Now these protrusions are they? They like are they sort of uh, pinkish in color? They're just uh, looks like they're just starting to sprout out. They're kind of white protrusions, and there's about six of them. That is probably the upper end of the bulb, and that is most likely uh, where your new leaves are going to come from. Uh, That's what someone told me. That's what someone told me. Yeah. The big part is probably the root. That's where the roots are going to come from, and um, um, I, you know, I, it's if you if you're going to plant them directly in the ground, wait until this little cold spell passes. If you want to go ahead and start them in pots, you can do do that today. Otherwise, probably a week from today would be a good day to put your elephant ears in the ground. Will they come out if I set them in water? I would not set them in water. They may rot if you set them in water. Yes, sir. Okay, one more. My Esperanzas. Uh-huh. I got some stems. Will those stems eventually fill up with leaves, or should I cut them back? You know, it just depends on how far back they froze. You can scratch the bark on the stem. If it's green, it will probably leaf out from the tip of the stem. If it's not green, you might as well cut it back. We never know until they start to sprout out how much winter damage they actually suffered. The Esperanzas, uh, they always come out, but sometimes they come out closer to the ground. Sometimes they come out all the way out on the end of the limb. So scratch that limb and see whether you find green bark or brown bark. If it's all brown, you might as well go ahead and cut them back to some extent. I think one of mine did freeze, but the other one I think is going to make it. And I got blackberries. I think you remember me talking to you about blackberries before. Okay. I've got some. I've got some huge grandpa shoots mm-hmm. shooting in the middle of those. Uh huh. That's. Should I leave those, or is that the normal growth of them? That's the normal growth of them. Now, those are mostly the shoots that are going to make berries next year. This year's berries are going to come on the older shoots that were there before these new ones started to come out. But uh, those, the ones you're looking at that are sprouting up are what they call primocanes, and they're going to make enormous plants that will be where you get your berries next year. Most of this year's berries are going to come out on uh, the old wood that's there now. So uh, don't prune them back until after they have produced their spring berry crop. 
Okay. Well, one other question. I believe, what about climbing roses? I bought some of those, and I got them on the fence, and I believe I'm killing them with kindness. Am I overwatering them? I'm watering them quite a bit. You should water them very thoroughly when you water them, but you should uh, let them go until that soil is dry on the surface before you water them again. Probably this time of year, if they're established plants, probably no more than every week to 10 days. And oh, okay. So I, I think I'm killing them with kindness is what I'm doing. Uh, you can change that, <laughs> and you need, <laughs> you need to do so. Do not prune your climbers at this time of year. Your climbers bloom on last year's wood, so bush roses we prune in February. The climbers, let them put on their spring flowering and then prune them afterwards if they need to be pruned. But uh, well, um, I'm getting started right now. Very well, good. I think that'll do it for me, Bob, and thank you very much, sir. Well, my pleasure, James. Appreciate the call this morning. Thank you. All right, back to gardening, back to the phone lines, and uh, George is up first. Good morning, George. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Uh, just another nice day out there, uh, cool, pleasant. Going to be a very, very good day for gardening, I think. Yes, sir. Uh, question on peace trees, uh how far apart should you uh, remove the blooms or the or the little fruit when they start coming out? You know, if you thinned your trees properly back during the winter months, I don't usually do much thinning on the fruit. And this year, with the late cold we had, I I would be reluctant to do a lot of thinning uh, until the fruit's up to fairly good size. I'm afraid the trees are still going to drop a fair number of fruit from that last cold uh, freeze that we have, but um, I don't know. If, if if the times that I'm thinning on my trees, I'm usually anywhere I've got a cluster that I say I've got three little peaches right together. I'm going to take two of them out and just leave the one behind. Uh, other than that, I'm going to thin them to where they're at least six inches apart on the limbs but um, right. I this is a weird year. I'm not going to overdo it on thinning this year. Right. Okay. Well, then I'll just wait a little bit and and uh, till the fruit starts coming out and then start climbing. It seems like I have a whole lot of them clusters. Um, and well, so if I don't if I don't go in there and and do something well then all the fruit is real small well you can do that but here's what sometimes happens when we you know when we got that fairly severe cold a couple of weeks ago sometimes it freezes that little developing embryo in the fruit and the plant doesn't really recognize this until the fruit has started to grow and then it gets up to be about marble size and all of a sudden something chemically tells that tree hey there's no seed in this uh in this fruit so let's just drop off so if you want to thin them a little bit if you want to thin them down to just uh leave the centermost fruit because that's one least likely to be damaged by the cold but if you got big clusters yeah i guess you can go ahead and thin those out but uh don't overdo it because i think the trees are still going to drop some of that fruit right okay well fine well that's what i needed to know and thank you for your help well it's always a pleasure i appreciate the call this morning george thank you sir okay let's see here uh robert's gonna be up next good morning robert good morning Bob. well good morning know that voice how are you today i'm very well thank you and you i uh, just uh fighting a little bit of oak allergy but you know that's uh uh, the time of year. 
myself, but for the first time in 76 years. I know, I, I know. Get, I usually get cedar out here like crazy, but uh, first time, ever, and you can hear it in my voice. I can hear it, and uh, I'm I'm less affected today, but a couple of people at the nursery were just going to the doctor thinking they had something awful, and the doctor saying, no, you've just got a, you've just got a severe allergy, but take care of it because it could turn into bronchitis if you're not careful. So I don't know, maybe it's just there's so much of it, but uh, um, interesting that, that you're like me. It's never bothered you before, but it's got you this year. I know that feeling. Well, as you say, it's been a weird year, and let's hope that it's uh, a unique year. And <laughs> Bob, you're going to think my call should have been at 11 tomorrow morning, but when you get to my questions, you'll see where I'm going with it. Okay. You remember Levon, our little of course. Uh, brown uh, Heinz dog, and we've never quite known what his origins are, but I think there's some terrier in there. And as mm-hmm. you know, Susie and I, I like to sit out in the garden in the late afternoon and have a glass of wine and catch up, and I noticed that Levon was uh, kind of, I'll just say grubbing in the in the St. Augustine grass. He'd stick his nose down in there and he'd move it around a little bit and sniff and put his paw in and move grass. But I thought, what is he doing? Took me several days, but finally I caught him pulling a great big huge fat grub worm. Mm-hmm. So uh, that leads to my two questions. Um, one uh, is the evidence of these really big fat uh, grub worms? Is that going to portend? Uh, a, a root damage problem and later and if so do i need to get my beneficials out yesterday and the answer to that is no um the grubs feed in an earlier larval stage Lar- grub worms uh for the the grubs that tends to damage our grass they go through what we call several larval instars and it's the first and second larval instar stars which are Oh, gosh, you know, maybe uh, three-eighths of an inch long. Those are the ones that do all the damage. The big grubs that you're seeing now are just waiting for the soil to warm up enough to turn into uh, whatever form of June bug they turn into and fly away and do their thing. It may mean that you have the potential for a lot more grubs next year. But uh, those big grubs that leave on is uh, dining upon do not, uh, they're, they're beyond their feeding stage. They're just waiting for it to warm up, go find them a female or a male, depending on which it is, to have a little fling with and start laying eggs everywhere. So uh, now, don't worry about the nematodes now unless you're also fighting fleas or fire ants or something. These grubs are beyond their feeding stage and nothing to worry about. Well, they're just waiting for Levi to dig them up. There you go. So uh, she who thinks she is too shy to talk on the radio has a question about uh, Levon's, uh, let's just say, grub processing production. She is a <laughs> champion, champion yard fertilizer, but uh, we like, kind of like to keep it picked up. But we're getting trying to be ever more conscious of minimizing the amount of plastic that we use. Sure. Because... I mean, I, I read something the other day about a, a baby whale that was found dead, washed up with 80 pounds of plastic in his stomach. It just makes me want to cry. Oh, I know it. And I, I heard an interesting explanation on uh, whales and the sea turtles both, that they see the plastic bag in its sort of inflated state and mistake it for jellyfish. Looks like a, looks like a jellyfish. Yeah, sure. yeah. I so They anyway. ought to be outlawed. But uh, yeah. that's, that's a whole other subject. But... Uh, um, 
I, I, well, what what it leads to is how we might be able to utilize his poo production. And if we create just a little compost pile just for that and put it around the base of our shrubbery, is that a bad idea? It's a bit odiferous. I'll tell you how I deal with it, and that is just to put a pretty strong nozzle on the hose and just, you know, make that. And you guys are outdoor people. You spend a lot of time out in that yard, and I just go out and, you know, just blast it down and kind of wash it into the soil. For the most part, if it hadn't set in the sun for two days, it uh, dissolves pretty rapidly under that stream of water nothing at all wrong with uh basically piling it and composting it it will break down faster uh you know to be mixed with a little bit of finished compost or something like that but rather than go to the trouble of manually handling it um i find a little pressure nozzle on the hose takes care of the problem pretty quickly and leaves it in place well the that's a great idea. It's just that this little dog. I mean, he he is he is a frequent uh, producer <laughs> as well as uh, voluminous. So uh, we've got one of those uh, little handle squeeze handle things that you can pick up with mm-hmm. after the dog with. And uh, uh, I know Susie's not going to get to get out there six times a day. I know Indeed. I'm not going. Well, what I would do, I would do kind of like we do sometimes with kitchen waste. Rather than pile it on the ground, I would dig a small, just think of it as a little doggy latrine, as it were. Um, Uh Put it in there, and once a week, dig a fresh one, cover up the old one, and just pick a spot somewhere you're... Your yard area is fairly extensive, but rather than leave it on the surface of the ground to uh, become an odor problem, I would tend yeah. to have some little burial sites for it, so to speak. And I think that would work. Just, I think that'll work fine. Okay, terrific. Well, you've answered both my questions beautifully as always. Nice to talk to you. Well, tell the big chicken she needs to talk to me sometime too, and uh, give her a big hug for me, and give Levon a good pet for me as well. Miss seeing him. And- and Hannah, and what's your new dog's name? Uh, Maya is living with me now. She, uh, her, her golden retriever sister decided that uh, that she wanted to be a one dog household. And Maya is actually uh-huh. Hannah's niece, so uh, I'm uh, I'm up to two black labs in my home now, which is twice the fun and twice the love. Oh, I tell you, I miss Mojo. Uh, uh, no, every uh, single day. So, yeah. and get, give your dogs a good pat. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, likewise, Robert. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. One of my one of my former neighbors in Bernie, this uh, resident in uh, that little crazy place, a little further north called Austin now, but always fun to visit. Uh, always fun to visit with Robert and man, the man knows music. Uh, oh, miss all that good stuff. All right, back to gardening. We're going to talk to ET and then Michelle. So let's just do it. Good morning, ET. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? Uh, it's just going to be a very nice day out there, and I'm looking forward to it. Going to teach fun seminar this morning and spend a good afternoon in the nursery. Okay, i got uh, two questions for you. One, miniature rosebush, how, how large will they grow? Most of what are sold as miniature rose bushes will max out at about two feet tall and two feet wide. Okay, uh, and you mentioned last week about putting a little Epsom soft with it. Yeah. That's all roses, not just miniatures, but all roses, just once or twice or three times a year, just grab a handful of Epsom salts and just sprinkle on the ground around them. Um, They really do seem to appreciate the magnesium, seems to give a little bit better color and maybe even a little bit better growth. 
Okay, another question. I'll, I'll fix tree. My lady behind me, you know, I was doing some cleaning up for her. Uh-huh. And she had an old fig tree, right? And off the tree, I pulled, I guess you call them the seeds or something, the pods. Okay. And they had a little, little round, you know, bean-like or marble-sized things inside of them. Can I put them in the dirt and grow them? No, I don't think those will grow for you. A fig tree, um, if it, and, and we're talking the edible fig, the one that, that makes the, the fruit that we enjoy in the summer months. Uh-huh. Um, occasionally... The fruit that is left on will do what we call mummifying, which means it basically just dries out. Uh, and what you're seeing is, I don't believe would be a viable seed. I, um, it's just, it's just a fruit that never got picked last year that is just kind of dried and shriveled up. Uh, if you want to take a cutting from that tree or better still do what they call an air layer or just a ground layer, L-A-Y-E-R, uh, you can certainly okay. start a new plant from her fig tree if it's a good fig that you really like. But what you're picking off of that, that just needs to go in the compost pile. Yeah, because that's what they were, kind of mummified-looking figs, you know, and you rattle them or you shake them and they rattle. And so more or less, they won't grow. No, afraid not. Okay, Bob, thank you very much, and you have a very pleasant day. You do the same, E.T. Nice to hear from you. Uh, Michelle is up next. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. How are you, Bob? I'm great. How are you today? Good, just sitting out in the garden, getting ready to, to get going with my vegetable. It's just, oh, it's just so pleasant in the mornings right now, and uh, we're we're going to have a little cool down here, but this is Texas, so it just uh, has to tease us a little bit before spring comes in to stay. Well, that, that has to do with, I have two questions today. Okay. The first question I'll ask is about this cool down, so I may have missed this earlier, but I was overly optimistic. I live in Bernie, and I put in my squash and some peppers and eggplant, and now I'm nervous because I see that weather <laughs> that weather front coming. Should I try to cover them, or, you know, I've had some tinselate around the peppers because I've been worried about the winds sure. and, and around and have tomatoes in, but what do you think? Well, I, I certainly would not worry about it tonight. Um, keep okay. an eye on the weather forecast because they keep dropping it. Um, three days ago, they said in Tuesday morning tonight, I'm most con- or this morning I'm most concerned about. Uh, they were showing a predicted low of 40 degrees. Yesterday, they were showing a predicted low of 36. Uh, this morning, when I looked at, and not that I believe the weather, man, but they at least tell me <laughs> when to be nervous. Uh, but currently, they're showing for Bernie 34 degrees on Wednesday morning. Um, so yeah, I would be thinking of, makes me glad I'm late planting a lot of stuff in my garden (laughs) this year, but, uh, um, I, you know, I'm, I think, uh, unless things change significantly, um, be on the safe side and, uh, do plan on covering. I made for myself, uh, oh gosh, what's it been two or three years ago. I took and made some, well, I took three pieces of pipe, uh, like an eight foot long section and then a two foot section on each end that I just literally can push down into the ground, um, on, on my rows of, you know, uh, squash and other things. And so I've just got this little metal bar that's 18 inches above the ground. And then I just spread my insulate over that and weight down the edges. And it is a okay. perfect little kind of little pup tent looking affair that uh, protects things. Now, I like to say, I would not be putting it out until probably Tuesday afternoon because we are likely to be a little windy for the next couple of days. And uh, I think you're certainly wise to 
have that little bit of insulate around your peppers and around the tomatoes for that matter because i think the cold wind can be almost as damaging as the frost but if it does indeed get to 34 degrees uh we could easily have some frost and um i I guess the the question is squash seed's pretty cheap it's pretty early if it freezes it's you've still got plenty of time to plant more but if these are pretty little plants and you want to protect them uh by all means go for it but uh doesn't look like tonight or tomorrow night are going to be the nights we're most concerned about is there a magic number i should kind of be looking for in the future just so i know if it gets below 38 or something like that for the more frost sensitive things i need to cover them um the presence the development of frost is a very complex issue and it and to a large degree depends on relative humidity on uh, cloud cover there's so many different things that you know i'm i'm a 10 degree guy if it's if they say 42 degrees i'm thinking possible frost is not likely that you would get frost until you get below 37 or 38 but i've seen times that you know it, it felt warm on the skin and yet there were ice crystals all over the place so um 42 is my number which is probably overly cautious i'm good with that and then here's my second question i made a mistake i started some cucumbers inside my it's kind of a greenhouse slash mm-hmm. potting shed but i didn't get the grow light close enough and so now they're pretty leggy. They look healthy. They have nice, you know, they're true leaves and such, and they're a couple weeks old. But they're about, the stems are about two and a half inches long and skinny. They're not sprawling. They are sticking straight up. Uh-huh. Do I just need to restart or no. just? No. Just, okay, you think that's just, okay. But you don't bury them deeper or anything. You I would not suggest, no, I wouldn't do that. But uh, um, if you've got a protected place outside, or they may be outside now, I'd very definitely have them outside the greenhouse in the brightest light you okay. can. But I'd sure be bringing them back in on on Tuesday or on uh, Monday evening, Tuesday morning. Okay, yeah, I've been, I've been, they've been sitting outside. Uh, yeah. It's just I didn't know if I could can fix that situation or the stems are going to get thicker so they're more you know it's robust. As they're the they're going to correct themselves a little bit better. Yeah, they're going to correct okay. themselves. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This is great help. I've been a little bit worried about those cucumber plants and, of course, the weather. So. Well, you've, you've asked a question that I'm sure a lot of people out there have on their minds. So I appreciate it, and uh, I guess we'll talk next week and, and talk about how it was. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Thank <laughs> Thanks, you so Michelle. Much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.